Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A young teacher in modern Bhutan, Ugen, shirks his duties while planning to go to Australia to become a singer. As a reprimand, his superior sent him to the most remote school in the world in a village called Lunana to complete his service. He finds himself exiled from his westernized comforts after an arduous eight-day trek just to get there. The film is called Lunana, a yak in the classroom, and we're joined today by the writer and the director of the film, Paolo Dorji. Paolo, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. This is a beautiful film on many different levels. The story itself is a very precious in some ways. It's also such a heartfelt film. What inspired this film? Well, Mike, you know, as a filmmaker, I think um, we have a very important responsibility to tell the stories of our time. And uh, this film, it is my first film. It is my directorial debut. And uh, I wanted to make a film that really represented what was happening with Bhutan uh, in this day and age. And Bhutan is, uh, you know, a very unique situation. Uh, We were in self-isolation for the better part of the last century. And we only opened up to the outside world uh, in the 1970s and 80s. Interestingly, we were the last country in the world to allow television and internet that also in the 2000s. So when a country that self-isolated opens up, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you could say, identity crisis. You know, just imagine for, for, for over a century, you have no idea what's outside the, outside the mountains. And suddenly, you know, you know. And then that changes your concepts, your ideas. A lot of people are like Ugen now. They are all, uh, we are supposedly the happiest country in the world. But we question if that happiness is there in Bhutan. And we are so curious about the outside world and we want to seek our happiness beyond our mountains. And that is what the story is about. It is about uh, trying to find out, you know, trying to seek where you belong outside. But also every element in this movie, you know, everything from the yak in the classroom to the teacher wanting to leave to the uh, little girl, Pemzam, every scene actually, it's, little tidbits of stories that I collected through my travels in Bhutan. And I basically wove all these stories together as one to present a story of Bhutan in this day and age. This is going to sound like a terribly Western question to ask you, (laughs) but for our listeners, where Uh is Bhutan located? Bhutan is a small Himalayan kingdom and it is located uh, sandwiched between the giants of India and China. And we are about the size of Switzerland. Uh, Our population is about 700,000. Our capital city, Thimpu, it's uh, barely, you know, uh, (laughs) 100,000. You know, Mike, it's a very, very unique country because as you may have heard, we are a country that emphasizes on happiness. Yes. So that's what we are known for around the world. We don't we have something called gross happiness, you know, gross national happiness. Uh, We are also one of the uh, uh, one of the countries that has a very strict tourism policy. 
So if you if you want to visit Bhutan, you have to pay 250 US dollars a day as tax. So because of that, you know, uh, 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 the country is very is it's it's uh, not many people get to visit the country, and that is in place because the country wants to protect our culture, our way of life, you know, our environment. We are very strict on on environment as well. Like it's in our constitution to have uh, 75% of our land always forested. Well, let's talk about Ugen and his yeah. journey and uh, and what happened to him in terms of where he wanted to go and where he ended up. So I covered a little bit of that in the introduction. He's a teacher, apparently in, in uh, Bhutan, to have a government job is considered to be something that is of value. You want to as much as you can get a government job. And uh, he has one, but he does. He seems disinterested in the idea yes. of maintaining it. So yes. pick up sort of how we got from where he lives to the village of Lunana. The thing is, as you were saying, in the traditional way of looking at things, working for the government is seen as something prestigious. You are giving service back to the government, to the king, but also, you know, uh, it is seen something as honorable. It is seen something as secure. But, uh, you know, Mike, as I was saying earlier, you know, there's this trend to now go beyond Bhutan. And a lot of what the youth are seeking, you know, is kind of in the modern, in the urban, in the Western, you know. And there are many of many people like Ugin who want to seek out where they seek out their happiness in Sydney, in New York, in L.A. There's so many Bhutanese leaving Bhutan. And what I realized was it was always to do with this modern, urban you could say the lights, the glittering lights of Western civilization, you know. Uh, so if that was the trend, then I wanted to create the story where we take the protagonist at the opposite end of the spectrum, and that is Lunana. And interestingly, the word Lunana in our language means the dark valley, because yeah. it is considered so backward, so remote, devoid of any modern, you know, uh, facilities, that even to this day, there's no electricity there. So the, the, the whole journey here is, can we find what we seek in so desperately in the light, in the darkness? And in a way, what I'm trying to say here is, it is really through the experience of darkness, shadow, can we truly appreciate what light is then? Well, I love his character in um, Hugan. He is wants to venture out beyond his known world into something he doesn't know and he, he aspires to. But at the same time, he seems also very open. Mm. Uh, he's more so than we, we there's a I mean, this is a story that we've sort of the outline of this story we've seen before a fish yes. out of water, someone going mm. somewhere where they don't really want to be and mm. seeing how they adapt. And that, but in this, I feel like you struck the right tone with his character in that He's not necessarily thrilled about being there, but he also, in a very natural progression, adapts to it and begins yeah. to embrace it. And again, yes. films like this oftentimes will veer into the kind of the modeling and off sort of un unbelievable things happen. Everybody mm. in this film and everything about this story feels very true to a, to a story that that resonates with you. Mm. You know, uh, actually, uh, a lot of uh, what 
Ugin represents is also through my own experiences, Mike. Yeah. And I think uh, that's uh, where it feels uh, true. It feels authentic. And another thing is, uh, you know, I don't know how far this uh, played into it because in Bhutan, you know, we don't have any professionally trained actors. When uh, So, you know, when I casted for this movie, what, what I tried to do was I had these characters on paper and when I was casting people, I, I, I tried to cast people whose real lives kind of mirrored the characters. Yeah. So w- when I met Sherab, who played Ugin, uh, you know, he was, of course, very talented. He was singing, you know, he was charismatic, he was confident and he did well for, for a person who had never acted before. But what really, you know, uh, got me convinced that he was the person for the role was because when I asked him what he was doing with his life, he said he dropped out of school because he was so, uh, you know, into music. And he was actually waiting for his Australian visa to leave Bhutan and go and pursue his career in Australia. So I thought, wow, that, that, that is just right for this movie. So we casted him and then the whole movie, we shot it in a linear fashion. So it's almost like, you know, Sherap is growing with the character. He's experiencing these things in Lunana, meeting these people, hearing these stories. And then his mind actually starts turning, you know. So I think that's how uh, the audience can feel. It's yes. authentic. It's yes. true. And I'm happy to see at the end, uh, Sherap is still in Bhutan. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, yes. And, and that's wonderful. I didn't, I mean, thank you for that because... Did you always plan to shoot it in that way? Is that always, did you always assume yes, you're going to shoot it in a sequence? Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, it's, <laughs> it, it was the, one of the biggest challenges making this movie is our actors, actually, because none of the actors had ever acted before. So, yeah. And on top of that, all the people in Lunana, they had never even seen the world beyond the village. So the, they have never seen a film. You know, they don't know what a film is. They don't, they don't know what a movie is. They have never set foot in a cinema before. So to kind of accommodate that, right. we had to shoot it in a linear way so that they could all grow along with the journey. Because, yes, if you had said, well, you're, I'm going to take you back to the story at this point, and then, that would have, yeah, yes, yeah. It would have been unworkable. Yes, but, exactly. And, I, I mean, even with the seasoned actors, you know, I, in, in the past, I've heard complaints, you know, that, oh, you know, it's very difficult to get into, the, into that scene, into that mood. I need my time. I need my space. So right. uh, in a way, we shot everything in a linear way. And that helped, you know, that not only helped uh, the actors, but it also helped us. Because, uh, you know, uh, Mike, uh, working in a place like Lunana, it's very difficult, you know, living up there for three months, really braving the conditions. Because up there, there's no electricity, there's no telephone network, there's no showers, you know, there's no hot water. It's, we are totally cut off. So even the crew, like myself, our cinematographer, all of them, we actually felt one with the village. And I think that helps again. It translates to the film. It really does translate to the film. And I don't think I've uh, underscored this enough. Lunana is located about as far away as you can get from, just as you describe it, from yes. you know electricity, civilization, as we Westerners know it. Yes. And all of, that, all of that plays beautifully into the film. And the people who are in Lunana, who are part of the film... Are really good. Is Asha, is he also uh, of the village? Yes, yes. They are all part of the village. I know Pem. Uh, Pem Zam is. Pem Zam is. Oh, the entire school. <laughs> yeah. 
It, well, well, congratulations for getting some wonderful performances. And I, I put that Thank in quotations you. because, I mean, they are performances for the story, of the, for the sake of the, to tell the story, but they're all beautifully cast. And they, they, they are, you know, uh, they, they did wonderfully. And I think um, it's because they were not really, they, they are performing, but they are not because uh, again, or something that I do is once I cast the uh, people, I actually learn about their lives. I, I I hear their stories, and then I incorporate their stories into the script. Mm-hmm. So Pemzam, uh, she her father is a drunkard. She has no mother. Uh, she has this very tough upbringing, and uh, I try to incorporate that in the story. And then th- even though she's having this tough upbringing she's this got this beautiful confidence you know and charm that's what I wanted to put across and every day when we went on set and we were about to shoot I would always tell her I was like you don't have to pretend to be anyone I just want you to be yourself and share your story with with us so you know it's uh it's all uh I I wouldn't call it performance it's them just being themselves I think it is it's (laughs) remarkable we're speaking with Powell Dorji he is the writer and director of a film that has been shortlisted for best international feature for this year's Academy Award consideration film is Lunana a yak in the classroom and congratulations on that um I want to get into a little more of the technical side but I just want to ask you where were you when you heard that you had been shortlisted? Uh, I'm in Taiwan, actually. Uh, my uh, wife and kids live here. So I was here in Taiwan. The whole pandemic, I've been here. You know, I thought if I got stuck somewhere, I better get stuck uh, with my uh, family. So I'm, I, I'm, I was here. And actually, you know, Mike, it's very interesting because when we submitted and we were accepted as Bhutan submission, only the second Bhutanese submission in 23 years, I spoke to people and they said, oh, you know, uh, all these films have uh, very, very big campaigns going on. You know, you have to have a good publicity team. You need a strong distributor. And we didn't have any of that. So, you know, I didn't think we had any chance. And uh, I just woke up to a lot of messages congratulating me. And I actually wondered why are people congratulating me? I didn't even know about. So it was very surreal. But as I always have been telling people, this really, you know, it's it's a celebration of the possibilities of film, of art, yes. that, you know, a first time director with a bunch of yak herders as his cast uh, with solar power can make a film uh, in the remotest classroom in the world. Uh, you know, we put our heart into it and somehow from the remotest classroom, it's, it, it gets shortlisted. It, it's really a celebration of the possibilities. And I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, I would like to thank um, the Academy for giving my country, my culture, my people this opportunity. And also to add to all of that, this is your first time as a director. You've been a producer in the past. You've, done, yes. you've been involved in filmmaking for a while. But I, I never studied film. Uh, my introduction to film came very, very late. I worked as a director's assistant, not assistant director, director's assistant and a still photographer for a feature film in uh, 2013. And that was my introduction. And then after that, I uh, I helped produce a film in 2016. And then I decided to make the jump into uh, direct. Do the people of Lunana know about this? Yes, yes. It's interesting, Mike, because a lot of people in Bhutan don't know what the Academy is. They don't know what the Oscars are. Uh, they know that 
a film from Bhutan has, uh, you know, has this chance, uh, has made history by becoming shortlisted and has this chance to progress further. So it has really captivated the entire nation. You know, I think a lot of other countries, they, they think, oh, you know, uh, getting shortlisted is just, you know, it's, it's not that big, big a deal. But in Bhutan, it's really captivated people from yak herders, from Pemzam and her friends to, you know, city dwellers. I even got messages from monks and yogis in remote monasteries who messaged me and said, we have no idea what the Oscars are, but we heard that this is a very, very big deal for our country. So we are all uh, praying and hoping uh, for the best outcome, which is quite, uh, you know, it's very sweet, I think. Well, it is a beautiful film. Let me say it again. It's beautiful Thank to you. look at. The collaboration with, with your f- cinematographer in this is just wonderful. And I will Thank try you. to pronounce his name. Jigmi Tenzing. Thank you. Thank you for your help. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, kudos to him uh, for the, the whatever limited resources we had. Uh, you know, this film was uh, shot with one camera body, and that was also a very old camera body. It was a Canon uh, C300. I think it was made in 2016. Uh, and just two light mats. We had only two light mats. And then uh, the whole film, uh, as mentioned earlier, it was uh, powered by the sun. <laughs> And I used to tell my crew members, you know, given the logistical challenges, we may not have a finished film here, but uh, let's, uh, we can take pride in saying that uh, we made a film that is carbon negative. (laughs) Yes, well, there was a film that came out last year, a documentary, Sing a Song, which was a documentary Uh about Tibetan monks and sort of the same, sort of the intrusion of of technology into the world, their world. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. a very interesting one. And one of my all-time favorite documentaries is it's far removed from Bhutan, but it was a film called Genghis Blues. Okay. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, it, I haven't. But, but there's something truly magical about the setting. It's uh-huh. in similar terrain as what Mongolia, I saw. I'm in, yeah, it, outer. It's in Tuva, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's where it takes place. There's something about that setting that is inspiring and awe-inspiring, really. Mm. And it is, uh, and to spend that time up there for you as as a person, as a filmmaker, but also as a person, how did that affect you as far as? I mean, oh, how your, your outlook on life. Big time, Mike. Uh, I think w- w- when I came up with this idea to make this film and I, I proposed we make it in Lunana, you know, a lot of Bhutanese people said, wow, you know, th- it's impossible to even live up there and you want to make a film up there. You shouldn't do it. It can't be done. But I wanted this challenge, you know, uh, not just, of course, to share with the world this place which had never been seen before, but... For me, myself, to experience this, as I said earlier, I think when the filmmakers experience the story they're trying to tell, then it translates to a better, more pure film that the audience can connect with. Often I found in filmmaking, the the act of making the film so often reflects the circumstances of, of, the, of the story that you're telling. I've, mm. I've, it's sort of become this thing where, when I hear it or see it. Some, and this feels in some ways, the sort of journey, the spiritual journey that this, that, that Ugan is on feels like what your crew and, and the people involved in this were also yes. a part of. A yes, yes, definitely. Of 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, uh, that was what I wanted from the beginning that we, all of us wanted to. It was not a journey of just Ugin. You know, it was the journey of the entire team making this film. You know, that's why we wanted the harsh conditions. We wanted to go through this. And that is why we shot it in a linear fashion. Yeah. And uh, Mike, you know, just to add something to this, uh, earlier you were talking about how this uh, uh, fish out of water story has been seen so many times. To add to that, you know, I really, with this film, what I wanted to do is I wanted to actually purposely make this story, which is this common fish out of the water story that everyone can relate to. But within this uh, usual common story that we have, I wanted to weave together uh, elements that you know people around the world had never seen or experienced. I wanted it to be you know uh, culturally, linguistically, uh, you know uh, environmentally as diverse as you could experience it. You know to tell a story about a people, men who still wear skirts, valuing yak dung. You know, uh, uh, you know how how uh, new is that? But then within all that diversity, I wanted to touch upon you know a story, a theme that the rest of the world can relate to, and yes. and that is finding this sense of home, finding seeking where you belong, and that's you know something I think all human beings can relate to. Well. Literally, my heart goes out to you and to your entire crew and to the people of Lunana. And, and I only hope for the best for you as a filmmaker, but for them, it is a beautiful story. It is, uh, it is truly magical. Thank and I you want to so thank, much, Mike. Yeah, I want to thank you so much for spending a little time with us here on Film School Radio. Powell Dorji, the film is called Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom. Thank you so very much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.